So you are reading Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 9, Answers by Citing the Lord's Version. Text number 34. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 Om Namo Bhagavate
which appears to be in darkness. Purport by 
His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. Because this is a long purport, I'll read it one paragraph at a time. In the previous verse, it has already been concluded that in any stage of the cosmic manifestation, its appearance, its sustenance, its growth, its interactions of different energies, its deterioration and its disappearance, all has its basic relation with the existence of the Personality of Godhead. And as such, whenever there is forgetfulness of this prime relation with the Lord, and whenever things are accepted as real without being related to the Lord, that conception is called a product of the illusory energy of the Lord. Because nothing can exist without the Lord, it should be known that the illusory energy is also an energy of the Lord. The right conclusion of dovetailing everything in relationship with the Lord is called Yoga Maya, or the energy of union and the wrong conception of detaching a thing from its relationship with the Lord is called the Lord's Daivi Maya or Maha Maya. Both the Mayas also have connections with the Lord because nothing can exist without being related to Him. As such, the wrong conception of detaching relationships from the Lord is not false but illusory. Omagyana timarandasya jananjana shalakaya chaksur militanyena tasmai shri gurave namaha shri chaitanya manopistam stapitam yena bhutale swayam rupakadamahayam dadati swapadantakam bandeham shri guru shri yata padakamalam shri gurun vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunath Anvitam Tam Sajevam Sarvayatam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Panam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakani Tamscha He Krishna Karana Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagapate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namastate Tapta Kanchana Gorange Radhe Vrindavanishwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhayevacha Patitanam Pavani Vyo Vaishnavivyo Namo Namaha Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhaktavinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So I'm very glad to be able to have the opportunity to speak on such an important verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam this evening. You're reading the second verse of the Chatur Shloki. Right? The four 
seed verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Lord Krishna originally spoke the Srimad Bhagavatam in four verses. We are reading the second of these verses this evening. Did you read the first verse last week? Yes? You know the first verse? Have you memorized it? Do you remember? What what was the first verse saying? Some of the Yes? What did it say? Huh? Don't remember? Don't like to say it. Okay. Anyway, it was saying, Krishna was explained, before the creation there was only who? Krishna, right. And after the creation, what was left? After the annihilation, what was left? Yes, right. That was the first verse, basically. That this first two verses are actually giving us sambandakya. We're getting knowledge about our relationship between uh, this, the world and the, the living entities and God. We're, this is called sambandakya, knowledge of relationship of things. We have to understand how to relate to different things, how to see the world, how to see God, and what is our position also as the living entities. It's important for us to understand. So originally Lord Krishna spoke the Srimad Bhagavatam in four verses. Now, of course, we're reading, you're reading, this is the second canto of twelve cantos. Srimad Bhagavatam is many verses, something like 18,000 verses. Srila Prabhupada used to tell us, if you read one verse a day, then you will finish after 60 years. But you're only, if you, are you only reading one verse a week? Huh? Then it will take you very long time, huh? <laughs> Will take you much take you for over four hundred years to read. <laughs> Don't think you need you need many lifetimes. So I hope you'll read more than one verse a week. Anyway, this verse, you know, the purport, because it's an important verse, Srila Prabhupada has given a long purport. So we may you may I don't think you would finish the, even the first verse in one night. And I don't think I can finish this verse. The because the purpose is so long, I don't think we can go through it all this evening. But anyway, we'll begin. We'll read some of it and try to explain it. Srila Prabhupada is beginning his purport by talking about the different phases which living entities go through when they accept a material body in this world. When we accept a material body, first of all, all living things, they take birth, they have to take birth. And then, they grow for some time. Then they maintain for some time. In the course of this, they may also produce some 
byproducts. Just like in the human species of life, sometimes people will get married and they have a family. Even the animals, they also mate and produce their offspring. So some form of byproducts are coming from living entities. And then gradually they start to dwindle, grow old and die. All different living things go through that. And even we see also material objects. Uh, they created, exist for some time, and then they're destroyed. So this is the nature of the material body. We have to understand, however, that this body, this not only our bodies, but the bodies of all forms of life, are coming from the Supreme Lord. They're His creation. They're not just only chemicals. Materialistic scientists, people who are atheistic, they say there's no God. Sometimes people think that in India people don't believe in God. Huh. Yeah, when they teach, because when they teach sometimes Hinduism, for example, one of my friends teaches Hinduism in England. And when he met the other teachers who were teaching Hinduism, the other teachers were not coming from Krishna consciousness. They were not devotees. They were coming from other places and they had other ideas. And they said, they thought that people in India, in Hinduism, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in God as a person. They simply say God is light or God is energy. They don't understand. But God is not only light and energy, but He is also a person. And this is very clear. In Bhagavad Gita, when we read Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna is this they will simply say Arjuna Uvancha. When Arjuna speaks, they will say Arjuna Uvancha. But when Lord Krishna speaks, they will say Sri Bhagavan Yes, Bhagavan. Because he's God, right? God is one who possesses all opulences. He's a person and he has form and he has qualities. Scientists they're thinking there's no God. They're thinking life simply came about by combination of chemicals. Didn't, they don't believe in, in God. They can't, un, they can't understand that there must be some personality behind this world. When we look at this world, we can see there's so many nice arrangements. Everything is arranged. There are some uh, proper systematic arrangements just like seasons in the year you know if we come here in January or December then it's much cooler, colder and if you come in July or August then it's much hotter, very hot there are seasons throughout the year 
It's not that one year in July and August it will be cold and another year it will be hot. But there are regular seasons from one year to the next. Just as we see also in the course of from one day to the next. There is the, the arrangement of time. Everything is carefully controlled. The planets move in very carefully controlled orbits. We don't hear about the sun going out of control or crashing with another planet. Neither does the moon. They move in very carefully controlled orbits. Who is arranging for all of these things? People say, oh, it just happens by chance. Do you ever see any cars just moving on the road by chance? No, there's a driver behind every car. In the same way, the planets are also being controlled. They're floating in space. So we will call this by the force of gravity. But who arranged for that force of gravity to keep the planets floating in space? Just like when Lord Ramachandra went to Lanka, he constructed one bridge across the sea to go to Lanka. Hanuman, of course, Hanuman, he jumped across. But Lord Ra Rama was playing the part of a human being Therefore, he constructed a bridge. But he constructed the bridge in a wonderful way that the rocks floated on the water by the power of God. Because Lord Rama is God, so he can arrange that the rocks don't sink into the bottom of the sea, but they float on the surface of the water just as the planets also float in space. Right now, we are all sitting on a planet which is floating in space. But this planet is not just floating, it's not still, it's moving. But we're not aware that this planet is moving. We cannot feel it moving. You sit in a car, if you're in a car, you know when the car is moving and when it's not. And when it goes very fast, you're aware that the car is going fast. But this planet is revolving at a very high speed. But we don't know it. We're not aware. Just like if you have a really good car, you know, if you have a really the best car, then you know, when you go on the road, even you go, if it's a rough road, but the car is so good, you don't notice the bumps. Because it's such a good car, it's got such good shock absorbers, right? You have, can have a nice smooth ride, even though the road may be rough. And you know, a good car, even the car is going fast, you still, you hardly notice the car is moving. Because it's a really good car. In the same way, this planet is very carefully designed. Just like a good car has a good designer. There's some good designers who made the car. 
you know, they pay more money, of course. You, you get what you pay for, they say, right? So you pay more money, you get a good car. In the same way, this planet, there's some very brilliant designers with great intelligence, and they arrange this planet. It's moving in careful orbits and at very high speed, and we don't even notice it. That is design. Yeah, there's a designer, there's some uh, intelligence behind this world. If this planet moves too near the sun, you know, we will, we will all, the whole place, the whole planet will become burned, to become a desert. And if we move a little further away from the sun, then it will all become like the North Pole or the South Pole. Everything will just freeze and become ice. So, the motion of the planets very carefully controlled. And there's perfect arrangement to provide the needs of everyone. Not only the human species are provided for, everyone is provided for, every living entity. The elephant has to eat many kilos of every day. The elephants get their food, and tiny insects like little ants, they also have to get some food every day. They're also able to get their food some very intelligent person has arranged to provide the needs of everyone. Just like when you have a big company, in a big company they have to provide, they have to arrange to provide for all, everything to run the company. They need many raw materials, they need so many different facilities, different supplies to provide for the production of the factory and all the different workers. It takes a lot of organization. So who is arranging all of these things in this world? Scientists say, just by chance. Just by, it just happened. Nobody's behind it. That is not very intelligent. That does not make any sense. Just like if we were to take some electronic device like this recording device, if you were to take it apart and take all the pieces and put them in your hands, shake them together and throw them up in the air and then let's see if they fall together to make one device. Will they just come together on their own? No, it's not possible. There's some intelligent person designed it and put it all together. And with everything, there's some controller, somebody behind it. Wherever you go, every country you go to, there's people in charge, they're managing everything, they will check you, where is your passport, do you have the right visa like this, they will ask you. There are people managing everything. You walk into a shop or an office, someone's in charge. You know, they will say, yes, what do you want? <coughs> you go into someone's home also, there's somebody, you know, in looking after that home. They will be asking, 
Yes, what do you want? What, how can I help you? Everywhere we go, someone is in charge. But foolish people think, oh, this world, nobody's in charge. There's nobody behind this world. It just, it's just chemicals. It just came together by chance. This is not logical. But this is the thinking. Some people think like this. This is the influence of maya, illusion. Maya covers up our real knowledge so that we can forget God. Right? So Prabhupada is explaining there's two types of maya though. There is yoga maya and maha maya. Yoga maya. Yoga Maya covers up the devotee so that the devotee will see God as in some personal way. Just like Mother Yashoda, when she will think of Krishna, she does not think of Krishna as God. She thinks of him as my son. He's my son. Even when she sees him hold up Govardhan Hill, Mother Yashoda won't think, oh, my son must be God. She thinks, I don't think Krishna, she will think, I don't think Krishna's holding up Govardhan Hill. It must be my husband who's helping. Mother Yashoda will think like that. Similarly, even Nanda Maharaj will not think Krishna is God. Nanda Maharaj will say, Oh, come on, how could my son be God? I know all the tricks he does. He's always giving, making mischief, stealing the butter. Sometimes even he's passing urine here and there. You're telling me my son is God? How is it possible? So, Nanda Maharaj, even he will see Krishna kill many demons, but he will simply think, Is my son? So this is yoga maya, when the devotee see Krishna through some rasa, through some special relationship. But mahamaya is where people see Krishna as some ordinary person. You simply think he's an ordinary person. Now, like when Krishna came to Mathura, he was brought from Vrindavan to Mathura. Who knows? Who brought Krishna from Vrindavan to Mathura? Huh? Yes. Not Uddhava, right? Akrura. Akrura means? What's the meaning of Akrura? Not cruel. Yeah. But the gopi said, you're very cruel. You're cruel. You're, you are cruel. Because you're taking our Krishna away from us, right? So Akrura brought Krishna and Balaram to Mathura because Kamsa wanted to arrange wrestling match. So Krishna and Balaram told Akrura, you go to your home, we want to have a walk around Mathura. And at that time, when Krishna and Balaram were walking around Mathura, they met one dopey. Dobi, laundry man, right? The one who is washing the clothes. He was washing the clothes of Kamsa. And he had very nice clothes. 
Krishna and Balaram had come from Vrindavan. Vrindavan is like the countryside and Mathura is like the city, the big town, you know. So in Mathura they see the Dobi of Kamsa, he's got so many nice clubs. Oh, Krishna and Balaram come from Vrindavan. In Vrindavan they're, they're wearing only simple clothes. But now he, they see that this Dobi has got so nice cloth, nice silks, all nice colors and everything. So Krishna and Balaram, they say to this Dobi, Oh, why don't you give some of this cloth for us? But the Dobi says, the Dobi does not say, yes, why not, you're Bhagwan, it's my duty to serve you, everything is yours. The Dobi, because he's influenced by Mahamaya, he says, don't be so cheeky. This cloth belongs to King Kamsa. King Kamsa will have you punished if he knows you speak like this. You know, they could not, the Dobi could meet Krishna and Balaram, but he could not understand who they are. He thought, they're just two young boys, what do they know? They should not talk like this. They should respect King Kamsa. That is Mahamaya. They are thinking Krishna to be the ordinary person. It's, this Maya is also illusion. There's two types of Maya, and both these Mayas are Krishna's energy. Krishna's energy acts in different ways, just like electricity acts in different ways. We can see electricity working the AC, the air conditioning. Electricity is working the electric fan. Electricity is working for the microphone to amplify the sound. Electricity is producing the light. So different energy, it's the same energy, but it's used in different effects. In the same way, the Lord's energy acts in different effects. Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, Naham prakasha sarvatma yoga maya samavita mudo yamna vijanati lokomam ajam Krishna is saying, I am never manifest to the foolish and unintelligent. For them, I am covered by my eternal creative potency, yoga maya. That yoga maya, again, this yoga maya is actually, it's maha maya which is covering the devotee. For the foolish and unintelligent, it's maha maya. Maha maya is the same thing, it's, it's part of yoga maya. Yoga Maya is, is all Krishna's Maya. But that Maya works on different people in different ways. For the devotees, we see Krishna as our friend, as our servant, and we're maybe he's our master, we're his servant. We see Krishna as our child, or we see the gopis, they see Krishna as a lover different rasas. But for the non-devotee, they see Krishna some ordinary person. They cannot understand Krishna's actual position. So this is Maya, and this Maya is Krishna's energy. Krishna is 
the cause of everything. We say sarva karana karanam. Everything is under Krishna's control. So people say, they, they, they say it's not real, but actually it's real, but it's just illusion. They don't see it as it really is. We will read a little more from Prabhupada's purport. Misconceiving one thing for another thing is called illusion. For example, accepting a rope as a snake is illusion, but the rope is not false. The rope as it exists in the front of the illusion person is not at all false, but the acceptance is illusory. Therefore, the wrong conception of accepting this material manifestation as being divorced from the energy of the Lord is illusion, but it is not false. And this illusory conception is called the reflection of the reality in the darkness of ignorance. Anything that appears as apparently not being produced out of my energy is called maya. The conception that the living entity is formless or that the Supreme Lord is formless is also illusion. In the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, text 12, it was said by the Lord in the midst of the battlefield that the warriors standing in front of Arjuna, Arjuna himself and even the Lord had all existed before. Who knows this verse? Some of our young devotees learning the slokas from Bhagavad Gita. This is from 2nd chapter 12th verse. We'll read it again. It was said by the Lord in the midst of the battlefield that the warrior standing in front of Arjuna, Arjuna himself and even the Lord had all existed before. They were existing on the battlefield of Kurukshetra and they would all continue to be individual personalities in the future also. Even after the annihilation of the present body and even after being liberated from the bondage of material existence. Who knows the verse? Yes, who's this? Who's saying? Oh, you're a big, you're a big devotee. I wanted some of the young devotees to say, you know, you're a... <laughs> Are you the teacher? Huh? I, want, I was hoping we'd get one of the students, the younger voice, to say, anyway, thank you. Yeah, that's the verse. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future will any of us cease to be. You know the Sanskrit? You don't know? You're not learning the verses? Huh? No? You know the verse? Who knows the verse? Any young devotees? No? You have to learn the slokas. Mataji knows, right? Say the verse again, Mataji, for everyone. Mataji, huh?
Thank you. Yeah. It's a, an important verse. Lord Krishna is beginning his teaching in the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Prabhupada told us, he said, if you learn 40 verses from Bhagavad Gita, you can defeat anyone. One time a young man took sannyas from Srila Prabhupada and Prabhupada sent him to South India to establish the ISKCON Society in South India. At that time there were no centers in South India. So he told him, I want you to go to South India and preach there. The, man had, the, the young man had just taken the sannyas. So the young man, he was a westerner, and he said, but Prabhupada, he said, in South India, he said, there's so many Sanskrit pundits, everybody knows Sanskrit there. How will I be able to preach there? Prabhupada told him, he said, you just learn 40 verses from Bhagavad Gita. If you know 40 verses from Bhagavad Gita, then you can preach to anybody. So this Bhagavad Gita, we learn these slokas. Just like a lawyer will go in the court, you know, he will quote different judgments from the legal cases. In the same way, devotee can quote Shastra from Bhagavad, like Bhagavad Gita. And everyone has to accept. If you quote Bhagavad Gita, no one can say, I don't accept. Because these are the words of Lord Krishna Himself. Everyone has to accept Bhagavad Gita. So it's very important, very good to be able to uh, quote some verses. It's very good practice for in mind, the mind, engaging the mind to recite these different verses of Bhagavad Gita. Every day should chant one, one chapter of Bhagavad Gita. That's also very nice practice. Just like we're chanting Hare Krishna mantra, you can also read, chant, recite one chapter Bhagavad Gita. We were saying it, it takes so long to read Srimad Bhagavatam because there's so many verses. But Bhagavad Gita is only how many verses? Yeah, so how long it will take you to read? If you read one verse a day, hmm, just about two years, a little more. So yeah, you, so you can read every day, you read Bhagavad Gita, you can read so many times. Very nice practice. In, Srila uh, Prabhupada goes on, in all circumstances the Lord and the living entities are individual personalities and the personal features of both the Lord and the living beings are never abolished. Only the influence of the illusory energy, the reflection of light in the darkness can, by the mercy of the Lord, be removed. In the material world, the light of the sun is also not independent, nor is that of the moon. The real source of light is the Brahmajyoti, which diffuses light from the transcendental body of the Lord. And the same light is reflected in varieties of light. The light of the sun, the light of the moon, the light of fire, electricity. So the identity of the self as being unconnected with the Supreme Self, the Lord, is also illusion. And the false claim, I am the Supreme, is the last illusory snare of the same Maya, of the external energy of the Lord. Okay, so Srila Prabhupada is explaining this 
philosophical point. Uh, we should understand the nature of this material world. Some people say that this world is illusion. Indeed, uh, Shankaracharya promoted the doctrine Brahman Satyam Jagat Vijaya. That Brahman alone is truth and this world is false. <coughs> but the Krishna conscious philosophy is to see that this world is not false but it is temporary. It exists. It's not illusion. It's not unreal. It exists. The Buddhists, their doctrine is everything is zero. Nothing is real. Impersonalism, the philosophy from Shankaracharya, preached that the, the soul is real and everything else is unreal. In Buddhism, even the soul is unreal. Everything is uh, illusion. For a Buddhist, the soul is also illusion. And in Krishna consciousness, we understand everything in relation to the Lord. That this material world is the energy of the Lord. It is His inferior energy. The Lord has different energies. They are described in the Bhagavad Gita in 7th chapter. Yes? Yes. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. All together these eight comprise my separated material energy. Huh? Krishna says separated energy. Separated. Just Prabhupada gives the example, the milk from the cow is like the separated energy of the cow. Or sometimes we record things on the recording devices. So that is the separated energy. The voice is being recorded. It's the energy of the person and it's being recorded. It's separated from the person. Another example Prabhupada gives to illustrate this idea of separated energy. So just like men and, men and women may be married, but they may be separated. They may not get along well together and they're separated. So the relationship is not so, deep, so sweet. The separated energy. So this is a material world. It is the Lord's separated energy. It's this inferior energy. But it is real. It exists. Then there is a living entity. The living entity, the parts and parcels of the Lord, they are superior energy. But they're marginal because they have the tendency to also fall under the, the spell of illusion. Jiva Bhuta Mahabaho Yidam Darya 
Besides this inferior energy of mind, there is a superior energy, Lord Krishna is saying. That superior energy are the living entities, the jivas. We are all jivas, not only human beings, but all forms of life. They are all jivas, and they are they're, they're all in that position of being superior energy, but at the same time, they are marginal because they have the tendency, they're prone to fall under illusion. Why? Because we're fragmental. We're tiny parts of the Lord. And at any time we can fall under that influence of the energy. We're tiny. We're in, infinitesimal. And the Lord is infinite. Krishna is so great. And we are so small. Just like the spark and the fire. The fire is great, but the spark, once it's separated from the fire, it can be extinguished. So we have a relationship with the Lord in this way. Living entities, we are parts and parcel with the Lord. We are takastasha. So Krishna is, and all of these things are being explained by Lord Krishna. He wants us to understand this sambandakya, the knowledge of the relationship which we have with the Lord. Everything which seems to be without connection to Krishna, then that is simply illusion. If we think it has nothing, this is nothing to do with Krishna, or Krishna, this is not... Not, not Krishna's, that is illusion, when we think that some, something has nothing to do with Krishna. Because everything is this. And the illusion is also coming from Krishna. We say uh, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna describes Mama Maya, huh? Devi Hi Esha Gunamayi. Oh, you all know that verse, huh? Ah. Yeah, you have to, we have to surrender to Krishna, but it's very, because it's very difficult to overcome the material energy. But if we surrender to Krishna, then very easy. Mama Maya Durajanya. This Maya is Krishna's energy, very difficult to overcome. But if we surrender to Krishna, then very easily we can cross over this material so that's why we're all here. We're trying to surrender to Krishna. Once we surrender to Krishna, Krishna helps. It makes it very easy for us. Trying to cross over the ocean of material existence. Without Krishna's help, the ocean seems so big. But when you surrender to Krishna, that ocean becomes just like a tiny drop of water. Just like the water in, the, in what's in the, the footprint of a cow the footprint of the cup, the tiny pool of water, then it becomes like that. You don't even need a boat. You can easily cross over the ocean of existence once we take help from Krishna. So this is what we want to do. We want to keep ourselves always in Krishna consciousness. Take help from Krishna. If we think 
this has nothing to do with Krishna, Krishna can't help me in this, I have to do this on my own, I don't need Krishna's help. That's illusion. Just like that story about Arjuna, when he was in Dwarka, and the Brahmana was complaining to the king of Dwarka that my wife's had a miscarriage, one child after another, there was a miscarriage, and after the child, after his wife had the miscarriage, the Brahmana would come and complain to the pal at the palace of Dwarka that you're the king, you're not protecting my wife. She had a miscarriage. In the Vedic times, if the wife had a miscarriage, they would go to the king and complain that you're in, you're the king. Why are you not protecting my wife's child? So. One time Arjuna was there, the Brahmana came to complain that his wife had had a miscarriage. And Arjuna said, the next child I will protect. And if I cannot protect the child, I will give up my life, I will enter fire. Remember, I am Arjuna and I am a great warrior. I have even fought with Lord Shiva and satisfied him. So don't doubt my words. Arjuna was thinking, he could do it without Krishna. <laughs> so when, when the Brahmana's wife had another child, again she had a miscarriage. So the Brahmana again came to complain that you spoke such big words, but my wife has had a miscarriage, you have not protected her. <coughs> so then Arjuna, either he had to enter fire or he had to go and find out what happened to all these children of the Brahmana. So Arjuna was trying to find the, ch the children, he couldn't find them. But fortunately Krishna was there. And once Krishna took him and started to help him, then Krishna took him to Mahavishnu. And they went to the Kajyo Ocean and they found Mahavishnu was there. And Mahavishnu had been stealing the Brahmana's children. Mahavishnu was stealing the children because he wanted to see Lord Krishna and Arjuna. Even Mahavishnu wants to have darshan of Lord Krishna. So this is described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Arjuna was trying to handle the situation on his own, but he couldn't do it without Krishna's help. In the same way, without Krishna's help, we are also helpless. But if we take the help Krishna, through his devotees, through his representatives, then what seems to be impossible becomes very easy. Srila Prabhupada taught us, impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. For a devotee of Krishna, nothing is impossible. You know, we may think, it's impossible to have a Krishna conscious temple, Krishna conscious society here. But we see so many devotees here, so many people becoming Krishna conscious. So, nothing is impossible. Are there any questions?
So we're reading the second verse from the Chatur Shloki. You have still, you did the first one, you still have two more to go. These four verses, the four original verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Just like there are four verses in the Bhagavad Gita which are described as the Chatur Shloki. Who knows what are the four verses from the Bhagavad Gita, Chatur Shloki? Any of the older devotees, Manaji? What's the Chatur Shloki in the Bhagavad Gita? Yes? Yes, right. Yes. Which chapter? Tenth chapter, yes. Chapter 10, good. Four verses in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 10, verses 8, 9, 10 and 11. Yeah, these four verses make up the chapter. They're the seed verses of the Bhagavad Gita. And here we're having the four verses, the seed verses of the Bhagavata, which were spoken originally by Lord Krishna to Brahma. Brahma got the Bhagavatam directly from Krishna. You see? And then in the course of time, the Bhagavatam has been expanded to its present form. So that these verses, very important. Prabhupada is elaborating on them. You can study them for many hours. Any other, any question, any comment? Okay, so we will stop. Thank you. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jyot Shpada Paramahamsa Parivuchaka Chaja Stotra Sada Suhidas Bhakti. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This one by Anish Bhai.